Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's sermon is the conclusion to our series, You Can't Tell Me What to Do. In the last two messages, we talked about how God and the Bible should be our ultimate authority. Today, discipleship pastor Billy Shiver explains what authoritative role the church should play in our lives. Well, good morning. Welcome to Connection Church again. We're so glad you're here, man. If this is your first time here, thank you for coming. Thank you for fighting through the hurricane to get here. Um, we're so excited. If you got your Bible, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 8 um, with me. And while you're doing that, I, I just want to kind of introduce for, for, I know the college students are coming back, so I just want to kind of catch y'all up on where we've been. We've been in this series, You Can't Tell Me What to Do. And basically what it is, is it's a, a series based off of the authority of Christ. And, and um, what we've done is, is we've seen, if anything else, we've seen that nobody likes to be told what to do. And, and this is true in our life and, and true in my life. And, and, you know, I just think about it like even with your parents, like there's always that side in you when your parents tell you what to do. It's like, ah, like really? Or, or I think about it like this. For me, this is probably the best example. When, I, when a cop pulls me over and gives me a speeding ticket or whatever he gives me, uh, I, I can never come up with the most smart aleck things except when a cop pulls me over, you know what I mean? And like, when I see the lights, it's like you're riding down the thing, you see the lights, you're like, man, there's an exit. I could take that. Try to hit the dirt road. You know, all these things going through, don't lie. You, you've thought it too. Don't lie. Um, and, and so you see this and what we've seen is man, there's proverb says that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. So if we've seen anything, man, God puts authority in our life for a purpose, for a good reason. And number one, to shape us into the image of Christ. If we don't listen to what he says and do what he says, then how are we supposed to be shaped into the image of Christ? And the other thing he does is he does it to fulfill his purpose through us. So if Jesus says, therefore go make disciples and we don't do that, how can we fulfill his purpose in which he's put us here to do? We can't because he has authority into our life. And, and so here's the deal. I mean, when we realize that God's authority is put in our life for for our good, it changes everything. For a purpose, it changes everything of how we read the Bible. And, and, and when we look at week one, um, uh, two weeks ago, we've looked at, we looked at first Kings and talked about Adonijah, who, who was a king who tried to put himself into this kingship where only God belonged, only the righteous king belonged. And we saw that. So the, so the week one, we looked at like, God is our authority. He is supposed to be on the kingship and the lordship of our life and that's where he is and the second week last week we looked at the authority of god's word and we looked at the proper place for for god's word if god's word has no authority in our life then we read it like it's good instructions instead of reading it like it's god telling us this is mandated what we're supposed to do and and so those are the two weeks and today we want to talk about the church and the authority of the church and 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 I want to do that but before I get into that I, I want to talk about what the church is and kind of clear up what because I mean when we say church a hundred different things come to people's mind and the first thing I want to do is kind of clear that up and and the first thing I'd have you know is the church is, is not a building we don't have a building but it, the church is still not a building you know what I mean and 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 so that's the first thing um and the second thing is the church is not a service. Like a church is not, okay, I come to the 1045 church. No, that's, that's, not, that's not what the Bible teaches about a church. And, and the church is not even every person in here. The church is specifically biblically explained to be those people who are in Christ who gather together. So if the gathering of the church, the people who are in Christ make up the body of Christ. And, and, and so what it means is, is the Bible speaks in terms of, of a big C church. We call it the big C church. And what that means is that every person in this whole entire world who has put their faith in Christ, who's in Christ is part of this big C church. And that means that we're brothers and sisters with our 
brothers and sisters who have faith in Christ in China, in Indonesia, everywhere you can think of, that we're all a part of the same church in a category. And then the Bible also speaks to a local church and a local body of believers. And, 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 and what you got to see is that the local body of believers is usually in the Bible is, is divided up by location and area. And, and we'll see that um, a little bit bigger in a minute. And, and I think the thing that I want you to know before is that the church is a big deal to God. The Bible, if, if you think about it, you know, the, the Bible refers to the church as the body of Christ. The Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Think about that. Like uh, how precious is a man's bride to him? You know, I, I love that scene when you think about a wedding and the back doors swing open and, and the bride comes in. You know what I mean? The groom's sitting out here and nobody shows him any respect whatsoever. But, you know, the back doors swing open and the bride comes. Everybody stands up and, and everybody focuses their attention on her. And you look at the groom and it's just, she's mine. That's how God sees the church. And that's what he what he sees. So, and, and, and there's always this statement that comes around about the church, man, I love Jesus, but I just don't really care for the church. I don't think it's a big deal. That would be like, say, you can't say that. That's the dumbest statement I've ever heard. You can't come. That would be, be, be my, me walking up to Brandon. Brandon's our pastor here. If you walk up to him and say, Brandon, man, I love you. You're a cool guy. I like you, but your wife, Susan, dude, I can't stand her. Like, no, you don't say that. Like, you can't do that. So when you think about it, think about the church being the bride of Christ. Uh, the next thing I want you to see is that the majority of books in the New Testament are written to the church. They're not specifically written to a person. They're either written to the church of Christ in Corinth, the church of Christ in Ephesus, the church of Christ in Galatians, wherever it's written to a group of people. The, the God writes to a group of people, or maybe it's written to the leaders of a church. First, second Timothy written to the leaders of a church. So we think about it like that too. Old Testament, the majority of the Old Testament, the Old Testament in general is a story of God's people who he's called out to go. The word for church in the Bible is ecclesia. It means called out ones. So if you look at the Old Testament, it's the story of God's people all the way through the church, right? And, and that's what the church is, is it's God's people. And, and I love this part when the Bible teaches about the church, it says that the power of God and, and, the, and the manifestation of his love is best represented in a group of people, in his body, in the body of Christ. So if we want to show people his love, a perfect representation of what Christ is, look to the church. People have to be able to look to the church to, to see that. And, and so what I want you to see in that today is that, and this is my takeaway, if you've got a pen, write this down, the church only functions the way God intends it to function when it's in complete submission to the authority of Christ. So listen to that again. The church only functions the way God intends it to when it's in complete submission to the authority of Christ. That goes for the leaders, the body of Christ, the people and kids, the youth, everybody in here. The body can only function the way God has intended it to function when, when those people, the body of Christ, are in submission to Christ. So when Christ is the head, the ultimate authority, the center of everything we do, it is then that the church functions the way that God has intended it to do. And, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. I really want to talk about the church and, and what it looks like for a church to be under the authority of Christ. So I'm going to pray for us real quick and then we'll get into it. Lord God, I do just thank you this morning, God, for the opportunity to come into your house and hear your word. Lord, I pray 
Um, God, as we move into a time of worship through your word, God, I pray that your scriptures would speak to our heart. God, would it not be a man speaking, but it would be God speaking through his word to us, God. So right now, I pray that our hearts would be open to hear um, what you have to say, God. We would not leave here the same, Lord. Would you teach us what the church submitted to the authority of Christ looks like, God? And will we be that? Hide me behind your cross in Jesus name. Amen. Um, and, and so that's what I want to do. I want to spend the, the, the rest of my time talking about a church under the authority of Christ. What does that look like? I believe the Bible teaches that a church under the authority of Christ is made up of five different things, five different characteristics. And the first one I want to look at is that a church under the authority of Christ is made up of people who are under the authority of Christ. And how I want to do that is I want to look at Matthew eight. So if you have your Bible, if not, it'll be behind me. Um, And and it's showed through the faith of a centurion. So listen to this, starting in verse 5, Matthew 8, verse 5. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. Listen to this. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such a faith. And and when I look at that scripture, it's so easy to miss what Jesus is saying. Jesus, he relates, he makes a correlation between faith and an understanding of what authority is. And I don't want us to miss that because Jesus, there's only two times in scripture where Jesus marvels. And and this is one of them. And what he's saying is there's a huge correlation between an understanding of authority and faith. And, And we can't miss that. So what I want you to see in this is that before we can be a church under the authority of God, we must first be individuals under the authority of Christ. And he defines authority. This is what the centurion defines authority is. What did he say in verse, in verse nine, he says, and I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this. And he does it and and see the thing that we love to do like in the American church. And what we love to do just in the, in, in culture in general is we like to separate this idea of faith, salvation and lordship which is Christ being the authority of our life. We do what he says to do. We come when he says come. We go when he says go. And we love to separate those things because everybody loves to hear about the saving message of Jesus Christ until it comes with making them change their lifestyle. Everybody loves to hear, man, Jesus died on the cross for you. He wants to forgive you for your sins, for what you've done and what you're going to do. And, and, and you get to go to heaven in Christ. And everybody loves to hear that, and that's true. But that comes with a misunderstanding of what true faith is. Christ says, we are saved by grace through faith. The Bible teaches that. I believe that. It's nothing that we can do and all that stuff. But people misunderstand what faith is. And faith is not just coming and saying that. It's saying, Lord, because I understand you are holy I'm sinful. There's nothing I can do. You're perfect. You're righteous. There's nothing I can do. I can't come to church enough, go to enough Bible studies, read the Bible enough, do enough good deeds. None of that stuff to get to earn my righteousness before you to reconcile that relationship. But Christ on the cross 
paid the price that I deserve for my sin. If God's just, there's a penalty deserved for my sin. And he paid that to reconcile us back to a relationship with God. And when he did that, he says, by repentance, turning from our sin, trusting in Christ, we can now have salvation. And God, he says, he seals us with his Holy Spirit, which continues the work that he started with us from that moment on. And what I want you to see is that the Lordship of Christ means that we do what he says we go when he says go, we come when he says come, and we, we do what he says to do. And, and, and so that's the first thing that we have to understand is that Jesus looked at the centurion and said, because you understand what authority is, I, you're, I don't see people with faiths like that. So, so my first question is, is, do we have a faith like that? And, and here's what I can tell you, man, if you're not... If I'm not doing what God has told me to do, what the Bible teaches for me to do, Christ is not the Lord of my life. And Romans 10, 9 says when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that, that he died on the cross, believe for salvation, he says, then we will be saved. So, so it's one of these things like, man, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that's great. But is he the Lord of your life? Do we do what he tells us to do? Do we read his Bible and say, he says to go make disciples. Am I going to do that? And, and do we separate those two? Because if God's not the Lord of our life, he's not the Savior either. And, and that's something that, that we have to understand as a church. And, and when we understand that a church under the authority of Christ is made up of people under the authority of Christ, our whole body of Christ, whether it be kids, whether it be here, the band, every person in here that does whatever they do, the function, the prayer team, next step, whatever they're doing in here, all of that functions the way God intends it to function when we're all under the authority of Christ and we come together as the body. So that's the first one. The second one is that a church under the authority of Christ is led by leaders that are submitted to the authority of Christ. And I want us to see this. Turn, if you got your Bible, Hebrews chapter 13. So Hebrews chapter 13, we'll start in verse 17. And before I read this, I want to be careful here because I don't want this to seem like I'm sitting up here saying like, submit to my leadership, do what I say, submit to the leadership of this church, do what I say. I want to be careful because I know some of you have been abused by church leadership. I know that, that, and even people close to me have been deceived and have been tricked and manipulated into doing things that are not of God. And I want us to see what the scripture says about leadership. So when we read this, let's look at the truth behind the scripture. Um, and, and here's what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. So, so this is what the scripture says, but, but when I read that the first time, my initial thought goes to, yeah, submit, obey. You know what I mean? Like that's what it goes as a leader in the church. But when we fail to recognize that this is as much for the leaders as it is for the people who have to submit to the authority of the leadership, what, what does he say? If you go back to Hebrews 13, seven, right before he, he kind of lists out what a leader of the church is, and I want to deal with the leaders, and this goes for, for, for the leaders of the church, for me, the, the other pastors in the church, the elders of this church, the, the, the connect group leaders of this church, the people who are in positions of authority in this church where they have people under them training them. This speaks to all of us, and I want us to see this. It says, 
Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hear that again. What did the leaders do? Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So so the first thing I, I want us to see is that God appoints leaders in the church. It, it, you can't deny that. The Bible teaches that, 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 that God appoints leaders all the way from the beginning of time, whether it be Adam, Noah, Abraham, uh, Moses. Uh, God, leaders are appointed in the church. The New Testament teaches us that the church should be ran by elders. And that, that's true. We, we have elders at this church that lead this church. But the, the God set the Bible up or set the church up to be ran by leaders, elders, pastors, overseers is the word that it usually uses for that. And here's what I want you to see. If, if you're in the position of a leadership, this is what happens. He says in Hebrews 13, 17, what does he say? He says, they are keeping watch over your souls. The function of a leader is to keep watch over souls. And, and, and what that looks like is he uses a picture of a sheep and a shepherd. And, and what that looks like is, is sheep follow a shepherd because they know he loves them and he wants the best for them. He cares for them. Well, as a believer, the best for us is growing into the image of Christ. So then he goes back in Hebrews 13, 7, and what he says is this is what your leaders do. How do they care for you? How do they, how do they keep watch over your souls? 13, 7 is, is by teaching the word accurately. And then he goes on to say, not only teaching the word, he says, consider their outcome of their way of life. Not only do they teach the word of Christ, but they live the word of Christ faithfully. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But is their heart to live the word of God? Are they teaching the word of God accurately? Are they doing these things? And what we have to see in this is that leaders authority stands on Christ's word alone. So like it's not a blind submission. It's not me saying like, okay, submit, 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 do this, leader, connect your leader, do this, this, this. That's not what it is. It's my authority and, 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 and the church, the leadership of the church's authority is based alone on the word of God. So it's, it's not like leaders in the church authority is conditional. God's leadership, God's authority in our life is unconditional. It, it, he's always right. Leaders is based solely on the word of God. Leaders are here to point you to Jesus. And if that's what they're doing, if they're caring for your souls, if they're overseeing your souls, if they're, they're the sheep to the shepherd, if they're doing that, they're teaching the word accurately, if they're living the word of God faithfully, he says a word in Hebrews 13, 7, that, that it's a faith worthy of imitation. And, and that's probably one of the most humbling things in the life. And, and we have to ask ourselves that question. It is our faith worthy of imitation, not just on Sundays, not just at Connect Group, not just when we're serving, wherever we're serving, but is our faith worthy of imitation? Can people, Paul says at 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Is that what it is? And that, that's, that's the function of a leader in a church. I put that out there. That, that's, that's what a, a leader in the church should look like. And I do that challenging myself, challenging the leaders of this church. And then Hebrews 13.17 it starts off and it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Well, think about this. If a leader is pointing you to the truth of God's word, living the truth of God's word, caring for your soul, pushing you towards Christ and submitting to them, it's like you're submitting to who? Christ, because their whole authority is based on the word of God. They have no authority over you if it's not based on the word of God. 
And that's what I want you to see. It's not a blind submission, but um, if the leader is teaching the word, ultimately submitting to them is submitting to God. And, and authority, and you've got to see this. Turn, look, look back at Hebrews 13, 17, the end of it. Here's what it says. Talking to the leaders, he says, Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And, and I say this, and, and, and hear my heart on this. The biggest joy of, I haven't been in church leadership very long. I, I don't know why God called me to it, because I don't know why, but I'm here. And, and this is where God has me, and I'm following Him, and I'm doing. But I can tell you, the biggest joy in my life from, from being here is not when people come up and say, man, that's an awesome sermon. Like, connect groups are doing great, or doing these things. Like, the biggest joy in my life is to see you be obedient to the Word of God. And to see you follow the Lord. So I would much rather you come up and say, man, I feel like God put this person in my life to share the gospel with them, to teach them, to, 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 to make a disciple of them, to love on them the way Christ did. And I would much rather you say, man, I did that than say, dude, you are leading like a champion, man. You're doing this, this, and this, which I'm not. But if you're doing this, this, and this, I would much rather you be obedient to Christ. And that's, that's the function of a leader. That's what they're supposed to do. Their joy comes in people's obedience to the Lord. And, and, and not alone in that because our joy is in Christ. But you see what I'm saying as a pastor. And, and, and so I want you to see this. And, and, and it's something that the Lord taught me that was a hard transition. I, I started working with the FCA when I came out of college. My, for the three last years of my um, college career, I, I was working part-time with FCA. And, and then I got into the church. And and as a young person coming out of college, and I know there's some of y'all in here right now, like we think we know what we're talking about. Like we study the scripture and, and we, we, we get this big head and we come in here and we're like, man, we know all this stuff. And little did I know when you come into the church, which differs from FCA, because there's people that are older than you who have walked through these scriptures. And, and when you walk through these scriptures, You've learned them and you've learned them to apply them to your life. And what it does is I had the privilege to come under Brandon and come under the elders of this church to see what their life looks like as they pursue God. And when I first got here, I was like, all right, I know exactly what I'm doing. This is what he says to do with connect groups. This is what he says to do with groups. This is what he says about discipleship. So I'm going to do that. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to do that. And that's not what God's called me to do. God has appointed Brandon, to lead this church, the elders of this church, to lead this church. My job is to submit under the authority of Brandon and lead. And, and Brandon's, his, his goal is to point me to Christ ultimately. But God has appointed him. So like if I can't submit to his authority, that's a direct reflection to say I can't submit to the authority of God. And that's what God had to show me before I would do it, man. And I can tell you this. Since the Lord has shown me that, it has been crazy to see how much God has used me. And like some of you need to hear that today with, with just people that I've dealt with. Man, like trust, don't bring like a trust issue from another church or from another leader into everything that you get into. Man, there are leaders who love Jesus and want to point you to Christ, teach you the word and to do that. And, and what I want you to see is that a church under the authority of Christ is led by leaders that submit to that. And, and I think about it like this. When, when the vision of this church is to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not like Brandon, the elders, all the people that leave this church were just went to Taco Bell, ate some bad tacos one day and just were sitting there and like, man, that sounds pretty catchy. You know, if you don't know, that's the vision of the church, connecting 
unbelievers to God, believers to each other, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And it's, that's biblical. You know what I mean? That, 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 that's what Jesus did. He connected unbelievers to God. He connected believers to each other. And he equipped them to do the work of the ministry, to do that over again. And what I want you to see is that when I say submit to the authority, like there's a reason that we get up here and tell you, man, like you need to be in a connect group. You need to serve. You need to do more than just come into the church on Sunday and worship. Like that's not what the body of Christ is. The body of Christ is the group of believers striving together with the same purpose to do that. And what I want to tell you is that in submitting to the authority, part of that is submitting to the vision of this church and submitting to the scriptures to say, like, I need to be walking alongside of believers. So when you hear us say you need to be in a connect group, that's why we're telling you that, because we know it's where real life change happens. It's where people are pushing one another. You got this person who loves the Lord, this person who loves the Lord. They're walking together. The Bible teaches that we need that. And then on this side, you got people serving. Awesome. Blue shirts all around here. And, and what they're doing is serving because Christ, when he came, he served. And we know that part of him growing you into his image is to serve others. And, and that's, that's what we're saying when we do that. And, and what I want you to do, what I want you to hear is that if you're not in a connect group, you're not serving, if you're not doing the things that, that what it's, what the Bible teaches to do, you're not experiencing the transforming work of the church the way God intended it to, to be experienced. And, and here's what, Here's what I don't want you to hear and I don't want you to see is that I hear people all the time who come into church and they sit through a Sunday service and man, worship is great. Music, the word, everything. We love it. It's a gathering of body believers. God does stuff there and, and we, we know that and, and we, we love that. But here's the thing I don't want you to say. People come to that, come for six months to a year. They walk out, man, I've tried the whole church thing. I've tried Jesus. It's nothing. Just because they've come to a service and, and sat through it for, for a while and met a couple of people. Like, you haven't tried Jesus. You've tried a man-made image of what you felt like Jesus in the church was. Like, that's not what it is. Like, we have to understand that, that the church is a body of believers working together, growing together, bearing one another's burdens, loving one another, caring for one another. And, and reaching out together into the community to pull others in, connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what it is. So that's the last thing that I want anybody to hear is that I've come to a service for six months to a year and I've tried the whole church thing and it doesn't work. No, you have not tried the whole church thing. And, and I want you to see um, that a church under the authority of Christ is one where its leaders are serving the body. They're serving the body. They're overseeing their souls. They're pointing them to Christ. And, and it's a glad submission to that because I know what the leaders want from me is to know Christ and, and to push me towards Scripture, to grow me in that. So, so hear my heart in that. Please, I'm not up here trying to say, submit to me, submit to me. A shepherd does not go to his sheep and say, hey, sign this dotted line, submit to the authority. Like, no, that'd be stupid. The sheep would be like, what? You know what I mean? And no, that's not what it does. It's the sheep know that the shepherd is saying, like, I'm leading you to Christ. I'm providing for you. I love you. I'm serving you. I'm doing this. Think about it in the terms of marriage. I've never heard a woman complain. The Bible teaches that, um, and I, <laughs> the Bible teaches that, that wives submit to your husbands as Christ 
um, as the church submits to Christ. And what I mean, I've never heard a woman complain about submitting to a man who loved her, who cared for her, who pointed her to Christ, who were doing the things that the Bible calls a godly man to do. I've never heard that because it's a glad submission because in submitting to him, he's leading me to Christ and he's loving me as Christ loved the church. So it makes perfect sense the way God set up the church in that way. And, and I don't know why God set up the church the way he did, but he did and it works and it's, and it's pretty and it's beautiful. And, and so a church under the authority of Christ is led by leaders who are under the authority of Christ. Number three, a church under the authority of Christ is unified in purpose. It's of one heart and one soul. Got to see this. Look at Acts. Turn to Acts, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2. Let's read verses 42 through 47. This is what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Listen to that, 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, flip over to Acts 4, right behind it. Verse 32. Here's what it says. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And, and the book of Acts is the story of the early church. And it's such a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. And it shows the believers coming together and they were unified. The Bible talks a ton about unity. You'll see it all throughout the book of Ephesians, Philippians. Everywhere you go through the Bible talks about unity in the church. And I want us to get a picture of what that looks like. And God, man, he was a genius when he put the Holy Spirit in each one of his believers. The Bible teaches that, that when we believe in Christ, we, we see that he's holy. We see that we're sinful. We put our faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, that he truly put our faith in Christ and surrender our life to Christ. We're sealed with his Holy Spirit. When that Holy Spirit comes, what it does is it brings the desires of Christ. And it, we start caring about the things that Christ cares about. And we start loving the things that, that Christ loves. And so what that means is that the body of believers, those who believe that are in Christ, when they come together, there's a unity. You can take Joe Bob, who's redneck from who, wherever, and, and Jim Bob from Iceland or, you know, whoever. I mean, all these different people, you can bring them together. And that's why I love this church because there's so much diversity, people from different backgrounds and all these things, but they come together and they come together under the unity of Christ and they pursue the things of Christ. And, and those relationships are the way God intended them to be. And, and what I love is I love this. I love the unity of purpose that, that is shown through the people in blue shirts, man. You see them. They are awesome, man. I remember the first time I, I invite people to come all the time. And they come in. They're like, dude, people are smiling at me, like waving at me. Like, what the crap is going on? I don't know what's going on. And, and so, but here's what I want you to see is that every person that puts on that blue shirt and starts serving people, they do it under one purpose, to say, like, dude, I am so glad that you're here. Christ has changed my life. He has saved me. He is 
glorious. His lordship is my joy, and I follow in that. His, and, and when they look at you and smile, they're not just saying, hey, welcome. They're saying, man, I'm so glad that you're here because the God that saved my life, I hope that happens for you today, and I hope you introduce that, and I want you to meet Jesus. And that's the purpose of, of serving, whether it be the people greeting out here or it be the people in the parking lot, people pulling through parking people in 100-degree heat. They're there to point you to Jesus. Man, I'm so glad that you're here. You're going to meet Jesus today, and I'm praying that. Or maybe the people that get here at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning to set up. It, it's all worth it if one person meets Jesus. And that's the purpose of the church is to equip believers to connect unbelievers to God and connect believers to each other. And when you're unified under that purpose and you're unified under the fact of the glory of the God is the main purpose of everything that we're doing, it creates people who pursue the same things. And you think about it in a connect group. I love this picture too. A connect group is a perfect picture of a small group of people. You got one person who loves Jesus, who's pursuing Christ, who's, tr- who's walking through life, and, and life brings burdens. It brings all these things. They're walking through life trying to pursue the Lord. you got another person over here who's walking through life, bearing burdens, doing all these things, joys of Christ, and, and they're walking to pursue Christ. Those two people come together over the study of God's Word. There's a fellowship in that that can't be experienced anywhere else but the church. And, and when those two people come together, the joy of the Lord is there and they move towards, they push one another towards Christ. They bear one another's burdens. They, they come together. They love each other. They care for one another. And man, I have to say this. We went to the hospital the other day for, for a person in the church that was sick and not doing well. And, and we get down there and like, I see like two or three people from their connect group sitting in there. And I'm like, man, this is the church. Like these people are walking through the hardship of life. But they got people alongside of them who are saying, man, I'm here to serve you. I'm here. What do you need? I'm here to encourage you. Christ is with you. I'm with you. I got your back. That's what the church does. They're, they're of one purpose, one heart, one soul. The last thing is that a church under the authority of Christ is unstoppable because it's his, his promise. Look, look at this. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to get y'all good at bouncing around scripture. Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 13, starting in verse 13. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Here's what he says, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus promises that he's going to build his church. It's going to happen. Look at the end of Acts. The the book of Acts is the story of the early church. Some people say that we're living in Acts 29 because there's only 28 chapters of Acts. 29 is what's going on now in the church. And and the book of Acts ends like this. It it ends with Peter, who was an apostle of Christ, who was just pushing forward the church. It ends and it says, the word will go forth. The gospel will go forth with all boldness, without hindrance. And what Paul's saying is that it's been through this whole 
book of Acts, looking at this early church, all the persecutions, people thrown in jail, people stoned, people killed, people done all this stuff, all the things that come against the church. And he says, the gospel will move forth without, with all boldness and without hindrance. And what I want, and you've got to see this too. Check out, look at, turn to Acts chapter 5, and I'll, I'll end it here. Acts chapter 5, we'll start in verse 38. And, and let me set the background for this before we come in. And, and, and what this is, is, this, is once again, the early church, Acts, the, 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 the believers in Christ. And what they're doing is they've just seen a ton of people say, they, they preach the gospel, people come, they hear, they, they put their faith in Christ. And, and the, the city officials basically say, no, you cannot speak of this name Jesus, because when you're under the authority of Jesus, they felt threatened by that. And, and what he said was, you cannot speak of the name Jesus again. And, and, and then this guy named Gamaliel, which is Paul, if you know anything about the Bible, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. It was his trainer when he was persecuting the church. Paul, before he was converted to, to Christianity, to following Christ, he, he was a persecutor of the church. And God radically transformed his life to, to follow and used him to write most of the New Testament. And, and what happens, Gamaliel was his teacher like he was his instructor who he learned under and Gamaliel comes and what he does is he sits down with the, with his counsel and he's like man like dude y'all know there's been movements in the past there's been this guy's rose up and, the, and they moved this way they, they they followed people followed him in here but it it didn't work it stopped this guy rose up he moved this way he had people following him about this it didn't work and then he comes to verse 38 listen to him it will start in the middle well, just starting 38. So in the present case, I tell you, in the case of the apostles, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. And like that, that's my prayer for this morning. That, that is, if, if you don't hear anything else I said, like, please hear this. When Christ is at the center of what the church is doing, the church will move forward. God will use the church. And what I want you to see is that the only way that any of this is worth doing, the only way it's worth it to serve, to set up, to be the church, to do all these things, is if what we're doing, Christ is at the center of it. And and Christ is, is what we're doing. And Christ can only be at the center of the church when he's the head or he's the authority of the church. He's the supreme authority of the church. And, and that's my desire, man, for, for, for our church and, and for, for, for you. And, and, and that's really how I want to end. I just want to challenge you guys this morning um, and, and challenge us as a church and say on an individual level, like, is Christ at the center of what you're doing? Like, of your life, is Christ there? Like, is, does your life revolve around him or does he revolve around your life? And, and, and that's how, and, and, and that option's available today. You can't do it on your own. But here's what God says. If you see who He is, you see His goodness, you see what Jesus did on the cross for you, you put your faith in that and say, God, I've been trying my whole life to find fulfillment. Girls, school, college, alcohol, whatever it is, you know what it is in your life, sports, whatever. God is not there. I'm just not fulfilled. Because you were created to be fulfilled in Christ. And that option is on the table today. Put your faith in Christ. Surrender your life to Christ. Follow Him. Let Him be the authority of your life. Because that's where our true freedom is found. 
And, and so as an individual level, is Christ at the center of what you're doing? And then for the church, for, for the body of believers that worship here at Connection, is let's be a church where Christ is at the center of everything we do. Kids, Christ is the center. Point people to the gospel. Point people to the truth. Worship, music, point people to Jesus. Sermon, point people to the truth of who God is through the scripture. Greeting, point people, greet people like they're going to meet Jesus. Park people, parking team, park them in because they're going to meet Jesus today. Next steps, plug them into small groups, plug them in, let them join the church, do all that stuff because God is at the center of that and know that and, and do that. And, and so I felt like today there's no better way to end this service than to take communion as the body of Christ together. And I want the elders of the church to come down because a lot of you don't know who, who, who leads this church and who God's called. So if y'all just come down front and I just want you to see their faces and then they're going to serve you communion. But the Bible teaches that in the council of many, there's great wisdom. And, and I've had the privilege to be able to sit in on the, the, on the board meetings with the elders and see these guys' hearts for Jesus. And a couple of them are not here due to illness in the family and stuff, but these guys are leading our church. And, and if you look at Hebrews 13, it says to pray for them. Pray that their agenda is not of their own, but it's of God. So what I want us to do as a church, as you see these men who lead our church, Pray for the leaders of this church. Pray that they're seeking the agenda of God and pushing forward the agenda of God. Because as Hebrews teaches, leaders are going to have to give an account for the way they shepherd the flock. And, and we want to do that with a clear conscience. And we need you to pray for us. And, and what we're going to do now is we're going to go into a time of communion. And, and I want to read um, a scripture from 1 Corinthians to just kind of let you know what communion is if you've never been a part of a church and and this is how it goes first corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 it starts like this the lord jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Listen, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And, and so before we go into this time, and, and I know I'm guilty of it all the time is when we take communion it's just a legalistic thing that somebody standing on stage is telling you to do the bible teaches to examine yourself make sure christ is at the center of what of your life what you're doing before you drink before you you take his body and drink his blood and remembrance of him make sure that's there because the bible teaches if we don't do it in a manner where we've, we've examined ourselves, we're drinking judgment upon ourselves. So here's what I want you to do, and, and here's how we're going to do it. They're, they're, the auditorium is divided into sections, and what I'll have the elders do is, is, is to go to these sections. They'll be in the front, and what you'll do is you'll stand up, my right, your left, and come down in a clockwise, I think that's clockwise, in a clockwise motion to do this. And I'm going to pray over it, but before 
you take communion, I just ask you and challenge you and, and challenge me and challenge everybody in here to examine yourself and, and, and is Christ the center of what I'm doing? Because I want to drink, I want to go through communion in remembrance of Him. And as a church, we want Christ to be the center of everything we're doing. What better way to show that than to take communion as a body of Christ and say, the center of what we're doing in this church is Jesus Christ. So let me pray for you real quick and you'll have time to deal with and spend a little time with the Lord before and then you can just get up as you please and and come and take communion. Lord God, we do just, God, I praise you for this morning. Lord, I do, how would your word not return void? How that it would penetrate our hearts, cut us to the heart see, Lord. So I pray as we go into this time of communion, Lord, that we would do it with a heart that desires, with a heart that's in remembrance of you. We remember what you've done for us, God. We remember that the only way that we can make up your body of Christ, your glorious body of Christ, is through what you did for us on the cross. God, I pray that we would come with a heart of surrender and a heart that desires to make you the center of everything we do, Lord. So God, I just thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name.